Welcome to Behind the Business Podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing episodes that take you behind the scenes of industry-leading creative small businesses. We'll talk about real life, messy behind the scenes of running a successful creative business in today's world, and hopefully help you combat the perception of perfection within our industry. I hope each episode encourages you to keep showing up imperfectly within your own business and make your own unique impact on this world. Grab a cup of coffee or wine and let's get right to it. Cheers. Today, I have Heather on the podcast and I'm super excited to be chatting with her all about branding and website design. Heather is both a photographer and a website and brand designer. So she is multi-passionate like a lot of people out there who are listening. And so Heather, welcome to the podcast. And could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes, thank you. This is super exciting. My first podcast ever. So bear with me guys if I'm a little rusty. But yes, I do photography, branding, web design, all of the creative things. It's actually been super fun to sort of blend those two businesses as I've designed my own content for my photography business and now helping other photographers and other service-based businesses with their brands and websites as well. So definitely multi-passionate and kind of juggle back and forth between those two things, different seasons of the year. I'm heavier on one versus the other, but it's been a really fun transition. It's been about three years now, full-time in those businesses. So still learning every day, kind of how to balance that, but it's been really cool. Yeah. And I think whether we're going to cover so many great things and talk a little bit about branding, a little bit about website design, and a little bit about how you juggle all three, like including photography kind of throughout the year. But I wanted to start by asking you and getting your take on what makes up a really good and a really solid brand. Yeah. So I think a lot of people assume that branding is just your logo and colors and fonts and all of those things. And they are important in a brand, but your brand, I think more so is the perception that people have about your business. So I think it's when you hear a stranger talking about McDonald's or Target, it's that perception that people have is what actually makes your brand. The colors and fonts and logos are actually just what make it recognizable. So creating a really good brand and strong brand, I think comes a lot more from the quality of work and the way that your process is and the way that people talk about your business outside of face-to-face interactions. Yeah. And how do you kind of help other creatives or service-based businesses craft that brand aside from necessarily just the logo? A lot of it comes from just prep work in the design process. So Mm -hmm. I typically start my brand clients, which I think most people do with sort of a deep dive questionnaire that goes into a lot of things about what they're passionate about and what sets them apart, what words are clients using when they talk about them, things like that. And that kind of forms, it even forms kind of what colors you're going to use if you do a little Mm -hmm. bit of like color theory on what works for them. But yeah, I think a lot of it comes from being really introspective about your business and not trying to do everything, getting really specific about what makes you unique and what services you can provide that other people might not be. That makes a lot of sense. And I was going to ask, do you have any tips for photographers to strengthen their brand. So maybe they have like the very basics, like they have a color palette that they're pulling from, or maybe a logo if they're just starting out, maybe it's professionally designed and maybe it's something that they created themselves. Do you have any tips for photographers or service-based businesses to strengthen their existing brand or to reevaluate their brand? Yeah. So I do actually have, this is one of the things to talk about, but I have a freebie on my website right now that Mm -hmm. is questions that will help you strengthen your brand. So it's just a free download that'll pop up. If anyone's interested, you can go check that out. Mm -hmm. But a lot of ways that 
I think you can strengthen your brand is through your copywriting, which I know is Mm -hmm. a little tricky because I'm like, I'm a brand designer, hire me. But (laughs) copywriting is super important and it actually makes my job a lot easier and how I would lay out the text on your website. And then finding ways that you can talk about your business consistently across all of your platforms. So I do see this a lot with people. And I think being a personal brand is super important, but people will offer a million different services and it's hard to kind of tell, oh, this is what they're really great at. They're really great at getting Mm -hmm. candid moments of these milestones, or they're really great at these fine art photos. So I think just consistency in the language, as well as image choices for photographers, especially kind of defining what that style is in terms of the look of your photos, which is so blurred. I think in the photo industry, there's all these kind of like bucket terms for different types of photographers, like fine art and light and airy and moody and all that. So if you kind of can put yourself in one of those categories, but then even like niche down even more to be sharing things that are really consistent with language and the types of image that you're sharing on your website Mm -hmm. and on your Instagram and things like that. Yeah. I remember when I was trying to niche down one, I was really scared to niche down because it felt really scary to like put myself in a box is kind of what it felt like. But I remember I was trying that out and I tried to get really specific about language and descriptors of what my clients were seeing in my work and the type of work that I really like to produce and like Mm -hmm. intentionally putting those words and like repeating those words across like different pages of my website across like my Instagram bio and like making sure that the imagery was super intentional and aligning with those words and descriptors. Mm -hmm. It was really cool because I started getting consults or like consultation calls with brides who were saying the exact words that were like on the website page being like, this is what we're looking for. And I was like, "Ah, it works. (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of people get really worried and afraid of being repetitive and they Mm -hmm. try to reinvent the wheel in like every social media post, it's, oh, let me think of a brand new thing to talk about. But I don't Mm -hmm. actually think that is successful. I think Mm -hmm. the best brands are literally repeating their mission and their values over and over again. And you can change the way you say it a little bit, Mm -hmm. but if you already worked super hard to update your website, you should just be taking those exact words into social media. And like three weeks from now, especially with the way social media is right now, like most people are not going to see it. So don't be afraid to be repetitive when it comes to repeating your messages and things like that. Yeah. I love that. That's a great tip. And something that I always have to remind myself of, I don't have to create something new and from scratch every single time. Like if something performed well, like a caption did well in the past, if it's been like a year, so mm-hmm. totally reuse it or tweak it a little yeah. bit to update it for your current brand. So it doesn't feel like you're trying to constantly create content from scratch. And right. especially what you said about your website, like you're putting a lot of intentional time and energy into those words, specifically Mm -hmm. the copy that's there. So it's like really smart to make sure that you use that as much as you possibly can. Um, And that kind of leads into the next question that I had for you. I was going to ask, what are some website must haves for photographers or service-based businesses? So must haves, I think having a goal for your website is super important. So rather than just saying, oh, I'm going to share all my services, I'm going to share the portfolio. I hope they inquire. I think Mm -hmm. that pretty much your website should be leading them exactly where you want them to go the entire time. So that means having multiple places. If the whole goal of your website is to get them to inquire to book your service, Mm -hmm. you should have a link to your contact page, like pretty much 
every two scrolls or one scroll. So I think that's really important because people do get distracted super easily. So someone might have Mm -hmm. multiple tabs up on the screen. They have your tab up. They're like, oh, this is beautiful. But then they get a notification for something else and they click away. When they come back to your website, there should be a very easily recognizable place of, oh, okay, wait, I wanted to get more information from this person. Let me inquire. And so the same thing can work if pretty much any service-based business, a lot of times you're going to want the inquiry to be the main piece. Possibly you might be trying to just do more like education or things like that. So anything that you can just reinforce here is some testimonials from past clients. This is why this is super important. This is how my services are going to help you. And then here's how you get this result for yourself, basically. Gotcha. I'm like thinking to my own website and I definitely have it at least once I would say on every page, but not like every two scrolls. And you're so right. People are so easily distracted and it's, I feel like you can't go wrong with having multiple points where people can get in touch. And I feel like that would help drive up the number of people that do reach out because you're explicitly asking them to get in touch. Like multiple times throughout the website. So do you have, I'm just like, this is a very specific website question, but do you have people kind of go through a journey through the website or do you really funnel everyone to the contact page from every single page? I do a little bit of both. I would say, I agree. Yeah, it is definitely great to have action items throughout the website. So there is kind of a formula that I like to follow in terms of what the priority pages will be. So it might be, here's some testimonials. Here's a link to learn more about my packages. And then from the package page, here's a link Mm -hmm. to inquire, things like that. So yeah, I definitely agree. I think kind of taking them through the website is always important to give them those like next step items to click on and not overwhelming people with too many click options is definitely a thing that I see a lot. And I'm like, there's six places they could click. You're not going to get the result you want from that. And kind of being really specific on these are the pages that are super important for someone to see before they inquire. And I think your Mm -hmm. website's really great for answering a lot of those frequently asked questions that you might get in a contact form that will even weed people out. So I tell people, don't be afraid of deterring the wrong, like someone not reaching out to you because they're not a good fit is actually a huge win of your website. It might feel really hard if it's, you're used to getting 20 inquiries and all of a sudden you're getting four every week. But if those four, excuse me, if those four are really qualified leads that are going to help you actually book them quicker. It's going to save you time on the back end from having to answer a bunch of questions and emails and realize that they're not actually going to book you or be a good fit for you. I think that's a really good thing about your website is to actually weed people out as well. Yeah. And I think that kind of also circles back to you being specific with like your wording and the type of photography that you do and that you do really well so that it kind of does help like weed the people out who aren't necessarily looking for that too. I wanted to keep asking, are there any other must-haves that you think people should have that you maybe see people are missing from their sites a lot that you think could be helpful or beneficial? So I, this is another, might be unpopular opinion. Maybe it's just controversial. People are very (laughs) like on one side or the other, but I absolutely think you should have pricing on your website. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily, I don't think you need to put your full package description or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think you need to have a starting price or average price, Mm -hmm. again, just as a way to weed people out and also to set expectations. A lot of people, especially in the wedding industry, just have no idea. I mean, when they get engaged, there's just so many vendors you have to book and 
you might see someone on Instagram and their style and you fall in love with it. And in your head, you have a $2,000 photography budget, and that's Mm -hmm. probably not going to get you the full day coverage that you are envisioning. So I think any way that you can educate people and give them that like some details about, Hey, this is why I actually have like a hidden page on my website that I send people when they inquire that answers a ton of those questions. And I also have a section in there that says, this is why photography costs so much. Mm. This is what I invest in equipment. This is how I back up your images, like giving people education. So it's not just like, Oh, I'm worth this much money, pay it or don't book me. It's teaching people. This is what's involved in capturing these special moments for you this is what it costs. If you can't, if we can't work together, I'm happy to send you recommendations of other people, things like that. But I do think having pricing on your website of some sort, again, weeds out having 20 inquiries that are not going to work out, saves you a lot of time on the back end. And it's also just people are busy when they're searching around for services. And so any way that they can actually help themselves in the process of seeing your price right away, if it's really not going to be a fit for them, they just won't reach out. And I think that's fine. Yeah, I know that being on the consumer end of things, when I was searching for copywriting or that I was looking to hire, if I did not see a starting or an average price point, I just, I didn't reach out because I was like, I have no idea whether they would be in budget or not in budget. And I was looking at a couple of different options. So I was like, these are three people who I know that I'm in their price range. And so it was just like a very easy, okay, if I don't know, I'm not going to reach out for me. And maybe that's just like, my buyer and consumer type, but I do think it is the same way though. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's helpful for people to be like, okay, this is going to work or like we can chat about it further and we'll be in the ballpark. Right. But I also loved what you mentioned of, Hey, here's the value I provide. And here's the reasoning why my packages are these price points. Cause it really does one, educate your clients and show them that you have intentionally thought through everything and are very thorough. And I think that really builds trust too. It's not being like, oh, it's really expensive to run a photography business. I feel like you're talking about it in a way that helps justify what they're investing in. And so I haven't heard anyone else mention having a section like that on their pricing, but I think that that's actually genius to have. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it honestly has eliminated a lot of the questions that I would get afterwards where someone would be like, Oh, this is my budget. Can we still, can you customize something? Or it's eliminated a lot of that where people will literally respond back and be like, I love your style. It's just out of my budget. And I'm like, that's totally okay. fine. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it kind of elevates. I feel like they respect my services a little bit more and it just eliminates that whole, let's go back and forth and yeah. s- see if you can cut, give me a discount, which is hard. So there's a few ways In terms of adding pricing to your website, a few different ways you can do it, either in sort of like a services page, you can add like Mm -hmm. a section about your packages. Mm -hmm. I've also seen a lot of people that in your actual contact form, you can put a budget section. Mm -hmm. And I always recommend don't make people type in their budget. Mm -hmm. A lot of times Mm -hmm. they're not going to. I also have another point about contact forms in general. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So don't make people type in their budget, but if you can have a drop-down menu that even has a range, and if you like start your range at basically the lowest price point that you offer, because then that'll people be like, Oh, that's $3,000 more than what I wanted to pay. It'll kind Mm -hmm. of do that same thing where it eliminates them. So I think that's a way to do it, but don't make them specifically type in because I think people are always going to lowball type in what their budget is. Mm -hmm. Then again, it leads to the back and forth email questions and all that. So I think you can do it contact form or just add a section on your services page. I also 
in my automated email that I send to someone that inquires mm -hmm. is where I actually link that extra page. Oh, like the page. Details. So mm -hmm. like before I actually talk to them, they have a really good idea of what pricing is. Yeah. So it probably saves a lot of time of hopping on a consult call, but then maybe yeah. they're just not in the right price point and they could be a great fit, but if they're, if they don't have the budget for it, it's like very unlikely that they're going to end up booking, which is not to say that never happens, but I think it does save both you and them time finding the right fit for them. So yeah, I love that contact forms. I think people put way too many questions on, mm -hmm. and that is my mm -hmm. personal opinion. Also my website designer opinion, your contact form should really just be like the bare essential questions that you need to move forward. Talking to that person. Don't ask for their email and their phone number, unless you specifically need their phone number. Yeah. I think even if you're going to have a consult call three messages down the line, that's, mm -hmm. you can get a contact or send them a zoom link or something like that. People are not going to want to give out a ton of their personal information through contact forms, especially if they're inquiring with a lot of different people. And the more questions that you ask, the less likely, again, like I said, people get distracted. They get a notification, like five questions, I think is about my max of what mm -hmm. I would ask someone and okay. also stick away from things that are not necessarily going to help you with having that like communication back and forth. So you don't need to know what their favorite cocktail is. You don't need to know if they like dogs or cats, like all of those <laughs> fun personality questions, I think mm -hmm. are not meant for your contact form. I think the contact form is how can you get in touch with them? What services are they interested in? If it is like a location-based or date, something that's an actual service event, you need to know the date and the location. And that's pretty much it. I don't think you need to add a lot of extra stuff. I think if people have to scroll in your contact form, it's like an automatic, it's an automatic, like, I'm not going to fill it out. Yeah, yeah. Most people are not going to fill it out. So yeah, just really paring down what is included in your contact form to be able to reach out to someone and like effectively share your services. Yeah. I'm thinking about my own contact form, especially for weddings. And I used to ask them, I had a big text box at the end, which was just asking them about what type of photography that they're looking for and envisioning. And now that I think about it from their perspective, they one might not know. And two, that's always a question that I ask on the consultation call anyways. And so I feel yeah. like that's almost like a barrier to entry of them inquiring where I didn't necessarily need that information at that stage of things. I do think that sometimes it was kind of helpful because some people would be like, like write a lot and I could tell that they yeah. were really engaged and interested. But now that I think about it, I'm like, was that necessary information at that point of the process? Maybe not. I think it could have been a little bit easier and for them just to be like, okay, I just want to get in touch just filling out those like five questions, hitting send is a lot easier yeah. than having to sit and think about what I want to respond to that question. Yeah. I do think it's good to have kind of a open box towards the end of your contact form. So if they are okay. someone that wants to share a lot of details, they mm, can put it there. They can do but that. Just don't make it a mandatory question. Gotcha. That's another thing about contact forms. If you mm -hmm. wanted to ask for phone number, and email, just make mm -hmm. it so that one of them is not mandatory. So yeah, I always do have that box at the bottom. That's like share more information or whatever, but they mm -hmm. don't have to fill it out. So I will have some people that write a paragraph and some people mm -hmm. who just put, I want pricing or something like, <laughs> yeah. I also used to see, and I still see, but I've never asked for it. I see a lot of people that ask for social media handles in their contact. Really? Form. Yeah. Which I, 
can understand to an extent because you want to get to know them. But I also, maybe I'm just like a master stalker, but like I can find clients very easily <laughs> just having their name. And yeah. even like with wedding websites these days, you can find like their whole wedding website before you talk to them. But that's something that I don't think is important in the contact form. So taking things a little bit more in the behind the scenes of your business, can you Tell us a little bit about what it's like to run both a photography and a web and branding design business. Yes. So it is chaotic. I will say my (laughs) brain is constantly jumping back and forth. It's super helpful and fun, obviously, in my photography business, since I'm able to do all of the design myself. So when it comes Mm -hmm. to like my own website and thing, that's been really fun. But on the client side, it can be a lot to juggle. I think anyone that manages two different types of businesses can understand that, especially because I am talking to two very different clients of them is business owners. And one of them is normal people, couples, things like that. So it can be very challenging, especially since I'm having to manage two different social medias and two Mm -hmm. different websites and two different blogs and all of that. But it's also a lot of fun because I feel like both businesses inspire the other. I can get a lot of inspiration from my photography business when it comes to seeing what other people are doing and how I can help other business owners in that aspect. But one of the biggest things that I have found in terms of managing is just as personal preference, other people might function differently, but I really have to schedule my week in a way that gives me, I batch my days. So I know if I have a wedding on a Saturday, that Mm -hmm. Monday and Tuesday are going to be really heavy photo days. So that means Mm -hmm. I'm like doing all the post process. And I really won't think about my design clients other than answering emails. Uh, And then I'll batch and block out on my calendar, like Wednesday, Thursday are going to be just design days. So I'm going to do client Mm -hmm. work. I'm going to write content for the blog, things like that. And I really have to do it in days because I've tried before to be like, Oh, in the morning, I'm going to edit a gallery and in the afternoon, I'm going to do this. And it's really hard for me to jump from one to the other. So that's just something that's worked for me. And then it also really goes through seasons. So as a wedding photographer, fall and spring are super busy. And so during those times, I'm likely not going to take on a heavy client load of design clients. So people that ahead of time, even when they inquire, I'll say, I'm one person, I'm a solo business owner. This is what my schedule looks like. I have availability in these months. Depending on what your timeline is, it might not be the best fit to work together. So really going with the seasons, giving myself some grace when it comes to one month might be very heavy photo. One month might Mm -hmm. be very heavy design and just kind of switching back and forth that way. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think that's so helpful to hear where it's like, It is possible to do both things. So it just takes a little bit of like intentionality with your time and designating Mm -hmm. days. And I like how you mentioned, like you tried, okay, the morning when I go work on photo stuff in the afternoons, I'll work on design stuff. And you're like, okay, this clearly did not work for me. Let me reevaluate and kind of adjust and see if there's something that works better. When it comes to balancing both, have you had to streamline both businesses and what does that look like to be able to fit it into half a week's worth of work? Yeah. So I have, and I'm fully still in the process. That's a big Mm -hmm. goal for me this year is to outsource. I definitely need a virtual assistant. So if you've got recommendations for me, girl, I will take all of them. I got you. So yeah, I have, I would say my design business is a little bit It's so interesting because I've actually been a graphic designer way longer than I've been a photographer Mm -hmm. in terms of being my own boss, doing my own business as a designer. That is still so 
I don't know what the term is. I'm having a hard time outsourcing and letting go. I'm like, I want to do like in my head, I'm like, oh, only I can do these things, which I know is not true. So I need to let go of the responsibility of some of those things. But on the photo side of my business, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at, I just have a good workflow, especially since wedding clients are very similar process over and over again. I use HoneyBook, which a lot of people use. So that's my client management system. And I have a really good workflow in there in terms of email templates and questionnaires and things like that. So once I've actually booked a client, that process is very similar and it doesn't take a whole lot of like brain power from me of reinventing Mm -hmm. the wheel. When it comes to design clients, it is a little bit more, I think, Mm -hmm. challenging because it's totally different. Even when it's two wedding clients, there are things about the process that are similar in terms of like how I onboard someone and like how I help them with collecting materials, like what copy they need, what images they need. But when it comes to the actual design process, that is fully changing and brand new Mm -hmm. every time. So those, yeah, those processes do differ a little bit. And again, like I said, it's kind of why it goes in seasons. Like I'll book a lot of my heavy, like full website brand redesigns would be in the winter when I actually don't have any photo clients. And so (laughs) during that time, the photo clients will literally maybe take up an hour each day where it's just answering emails, but I'm not having to like edit and make timelines and all that stuff. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Another question that I had for you is what is one expectation that you've had to let go of as a business owner, especially as somebody who's running two very separate businesses? Yeah. Still struggle with this one because I think as we all do, I like love learning things online. So I'll learn all these things. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I should be doing email marketing and YouTube and social media and blogging. Mm -hmm. And then it's, I, it's not possible for me right now at all, especially trying to run both of them by myself. I'm like one day, this is why I need a virtual assistant because then I can do more of those things. But I think, yeah, the expectation of that, I need to do it all to be successful, especially because my design business, which has been very cool, but I know it's not sustainable. 99% of my business has come from word of mouth. I have done very limited marketing for that business. (laughs) Most of it has been clients that have referred me or just talked about it and someone else is, Oh, I saw you did so-and-so's website. And that has been fully word of mouth, but I know it needs to be, (laughs) I need to be finding a way to actually market it if I want to grow it the way that I anticipate. And so, yeah, I think the expectation of doing all of these different platforms, I also think social media is just overwhelming in general for most people. Like I'm not on Facebook, which I don't know I'm sure people are still on Facebook and it's Mm -hmm. a valuable tool, but that's something that like Facebook and TikTok, I'm not on those things. I know they can do great things for your business, but those I've let go of. YouTube is definitely something that I want to dive into a little bit more. I have a few YouTube videos up there. If anyone's ever (laughs) curious, they're very low production value, but good content and educational resources. So Yeah. yeah, YouTube is definitely something I want to get into more as well as Pinterest. I think Pinterest is like never going to die. It's such a good, Mm. you might not be on it all the time, but Pinterest also acts as a Google resource. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm like, got to get into those, but yes, giving myself a little bit of grace when it comes to trying not to do all the things when it comes to marketing. Yeah. I think that's encouraging for people to hear, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that feel the exact same way where they're like, I want to do like these other things, but they just currently do not have the time for it. And I think it is almost encouraging for other people out there to hear that you've built your business and on 99% of like word of mouth. Yeah. I think sometimes like in today's, in today's world, I feel like 
there's so much of an emphasis on social media that sometimes we forget how powerful word of mouth can be. And that's like actually a great marketing or great form of marketing itself too, you know, outside of everything else. So I think that's encouraging for other people to hear where they probably feel very similar and are in like a similar boat. So what is one piece of advice that you would give to specifically multi-passionate listeners out there? I know you just mentioned like you want to do it all, but you can't necessarily always do it all. Uh, But is there any other piece of advice that you would give to people out there who are juggling multiple things? I have two. One of them actually comes from your previous question, but in terms of doing it all, this is something that like keeps me awake at night because I know we've all, (laughs) I know we've all done it, but when it comes to not doing it all, when you start to do pieces of it. So basically where this is coming from is that I have paid for so many platforms that I don't use email marketing, which is for sure on my list I need to do, but it's, I pay for an email marketing service that I use once every three months. And so when it comes to starting to market your business, just be really intentional. I'm not going to invest in all of these platforms all at once. I'm going to start email marketing and like actually get a process in place and do that. Or I'm going to start Pinterest and pay for tailwind or a scheduling service or something like that. So I think that's something that like I struggle with other people might as well is you Mm -hmm. see all these resources and you have one week of like super motivation where you're like, I'm going to do all the things. But then yeah. when your normal schedule routine happens, uh-huh. it's like you don't have the process in place to actually implement all the things, all the subscriptions that you just bought. Right. Um, so that's something that I'm like, oh God. And every time I go to delete one of the subscriptions, it's like, but I need to do it. I'm going to do it. And it's just don't, yeah, don't beat yourself up about it. If you're in the same boat as me, where you've bought mm-hmm. these subscriptions that you don't use the same goes for like courses and education. I think it's very much like a invest in one at a time. Don't pick mm-hmm. three thing, three things and think, oh, over the next six months, I'm going to do them all because the likelihood yeah. is it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. People. So this was some advice that I actually got at Creative at Heart where we met okay. yeah. that I fought them on for forever. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. It's going to be fun. Do you know what this is? I think I know what you're going to say. And it's actually like separating your businesses. Yeah. So it was so adamant on that. I couldn't handle two at a time, which I still, some days I'm like, I can't handle two at a time. But in terms of actually, it made both of my businesses so much stronger. So it made my website really clean for both of my, in terms of you could tell exactly who I was talking to and who my ideal client was. So it does, it complicates a lot of things because I have to have two websites. It's more expensive for sure, but the return is better. So it's, it's a, yeah. yeah, it's like a give and take for that, but definitely separating your businesses so that you can be really specific on who you're talking to. Unless you, like, if you're a brand photographer and a wedding photographer, mm-hmm. I think there's a way that you can keep those together. You might want two different social medias, but I think your website you could keep together. But when you're mm-hmm. talking to two specific different clients that mm-hmm. don't overlap, I think that needs to be a different business. Yeah. I remember when I was introducing brand photography, I was personally struggling with keeping weddings and branding underneath the same like website, specifically underneath the same social media. I think that's where I really felt the difference being like, I feel like I'm talking to two very completely different people with like different problems and like different dreams that they have and like different things that they're trying to get out of the photography experience with me. And so I remember feeling kind of pressured when I was doing like branding and weddings. I do think you're right. I think that there's a way to house it underneath the same website yeah. but for social media. I think it really is helpful to be speaking specifically to one person. And I think you're less likely to like confuse the algorithm as well. When you're like, v- your content is like 
very, what's the word, like niche down almost because they like know what you are trying to say. And they know the type of people that you're trying to reach a little Mm -hmm. bit easier when you're speaking to one type of person. So I love that advice, but I wanted to thank you for taking the time for coming on the podcast. I think there's a lot in this episode that people can take and just make small and simple tweaks to their Mm -hmm. own business as well. So super pumped for that, but please go ahead and share where people can follow you online. So website, social media, all the things is Heather Dodge creative for my website Mm -hmm. and design work. And then Heather Dodge photography for my wedding work. So yeah, Heather Dodge creative. If you are a business owner, I'm assuming you are, if you're listening to this Mm -hmm. podcast, it's going to have some great resources for you on the blog. There's tons of details on the blog, especially for, I'm a show it web designer. So if you also Mm -hmm. use show it, I've got some really specific tips in there as well as a branding questionnaire. That's just a free download. If you need somewhere to get started and kind of dig deeper into what your brand means, you can do that Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much, Heather, for coming on and I will catch everyone in next week's episode. Thank you. If you're loving this episode, I would love for you to swipe a page or two out of my free resources library. I have a free class all on the systems you need to quickly grow your photography business. I cover three key systems that you need in place to be able to grow your business and triple your wedding bookings and go full time in less than one year. I also have another freebie just for you. I am letting you swipe my booked wedding client questionnaire. Be sure to go to manaliphotography.com or see the show notes to grab either one of these two freebies and I can't wait to see how it helps you grow your business.